Welcome to our podcast, The Podcast Must Go On. My name is Haley. I am one of the co-hosts. I'm Damien. I'm the other co-host. A little bit about our podcast is that we not only want to interview the performing side of theater, we also want to interview people from the backgrounds like costume and set design and the directors, anyone and everyone. Ellie, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ellie McLemore. I um, I am an actress. I am a human being. I um, I am currently living in LA, but I spent a lot of time in New York too. Um, right now, I'm in quarantine, just trying to keep myself preoccupied. I'm so happy you guys had me as your first guest. What an honor! Yay! <laughs> okay, so cool. So we're gonna start with. Bring it on. Damien, do you want to start the first question? Okay, so our first question was, um, what was your audition process like? What was my audition process like for Bring It On? My audition process was, um, I went in maybe three times, but it was the best audition experience I've ever had. I've never had one like it since. It was magical. One of those things where all the stars just kind of aligned. Um, I was living in LA at the time. I was auditioning for TV and film stuff. And I've always wanted to do Broadway and musical theater. So when I got that, it was such an amazing surprise. And I looked on YouTube and I found this one video they had for, they had done it at the Alliance Theater in Atlanta. And they had one promo video of all of them kind of doing the cheer. It's still online if you want to look for it. There's been a lot of changes since then, but I, I lost my mind. I love bringing on the movie and I just like, oh my gosh, I need this part. I didn't really know anything about the new storyline or the characters, but I dove in headfirst. And I originally actually auditioned for Campbell. So I went in for Telsey and company, which is the uh, casting directors. And uh, it was Rachel Hoffman. She came to LA and normally, you know, they'll look bi-coastal sometimes for musicals. But for me, it was a rare opportunity. I hadn't gone in for any musical theater stuff. This is really my first real like professional audition. So I, um, I went in, prepared this song that Campbell sang in uh, the Alliance. It was called um, Bring It On. It was like, I work six hours a day, four weeks a month, 12 months a year, 12 months a year, do homework on the bus, awake at lawn, I'm on the something to run a cheer. It was like nothing you've ever heard before. It was like a million words. And um, I did that. She's like, yeah, I really like you. You should prepare this other role, Ava. And I'm like, oh, what? No, I want to be Campbell. <laughs> so then I, um, like a week later, I came in and she had brought in the creative team, which was Alex Slackmore and Andy Blankenbuehler. And ever since then, I felt like we just clicked immediately. It was just that sort of thing where I was there, like I, I was meant to be there. And they're like, okay, you have these sides. You have Campbell and you have Ava. What would you want to do for someone like Campbell? They're like, she's Ava. <laughs> just because I wanted to be her so bad that I literally was the character. <laughs> so I, I just feel like um, it was meant to be. I, I went and we were doing these things called hang drills. So I was hanging off of Alex and Andy so they could see that I could carry my own weight. And because it's such a physically demanding show on top of everything else. So I did that. And then like maybe a couple weeks later, they flew me out to New York to meet Lynn and to meet Tom Kitt, Amanda Green, Jeff Whitty, and all the producers. And 
it was just, it, it, the rest was history. I found out like the next day that I got it and I was running around New York. I'd never been in New York city at all. My first time there. So it was like literally all my dreams came true in like the matter of like a month. It was magical. Amazing. <laughs> I know it's, it's never happened since. So <laughs> that kind of, it's like, here you go, here's your dream. And it's going to be really hard from here on out. So I'm so grateful that I had that to start with. <laughs> That's wow. That's just a good crazy. story. <laughs> Okay. Um, the next question is what was one backstage memory you'll never forget, or you just really found funny and just stuck with you? Oh, that's a great question. Gosh, backstage, isn't that the best? Just the camaraderie with a cast. And that's really what I love to do. Um, one memory. It's so hard to pick one. I would say that a lot of them came from the tour from Bring It On. Before we went to Broadway, we went on tour and we were around 13 different cities. And there were so many different experiences. Like I remember when we were in Fayetteville, Arkansas, they had, we all shared like a dressing room. It was, I think it was like me, Kate Rockwell, Ryan Redmond, because we shared one in New York too. And in Arkansas, I look back on my pictures and they have like, they had printed on like a cardboard sheet of paper, like star entrance. <laughs> and it was just like so cheesy, but it was so sweet. The things that they did. And just that cast in general was my family, like people running around constantly trying on each other's wigs, which really isn't allowed. And um, there's no specific moment I remember. Cause it just, it all kind of blends into one, but I do, I do remember just traveling to those different cities. And when you're on tour, you work with different, um, grips and the stagehands and wardrobe people so you're meeting new people for two to four weeks at a time and you just kind of become family you know and then you move on and you might never see them again so I just I remember being so present in those moments and I guess one that I could tell you though since I'm on the subject is when we were in Denver I really wanted a tattoo and I was only 20 at the time. I wasn't even 21 yet. And I was like, I have to get a tattoo. So I went to a local tattoo shop <laughs> in Denver in between shows. And I literally got a tattoo on my rib. I'll show it to you. People can't see it. But it says, this moment's mine. And that's a lyric from Bring It On. And I literally did the show after. You know, we were like doing like full downs and very crazy stunts in this show and I, I had like my rib wrapped people are like you're insane <laughs> but maybe that's my favorite memory <laughs> that's I've never knew that that's <laughs> I know it's pretty I was a rebel I'm like let's do this <laughs> then my friend Danielle Carlacci she went she was in the ensemble she was a swing actually and she she got a tattoo like the next day <laughs> at the same place I started a trend <laughs> How did you like prepare because bring it on is very like physically demanding. How did you prepare with like all of the cheer stunts and moves and stuff? Like how did yeah. you prepare for that? Such a good question. I mean, now you audition for shows I do and I'm like, okay, there's singing and there's dancing and acting and that's still a challenge. But with bring it on, it was on top of singing, heavy singing, dancing and acting. It was the stunting. And for me in particular, I had just done like a movie where I was a cheerleader the year before and where I learned how to do like pull like a scorpion, which was like if you pull your leg behind your head or like just basic stunts. And so it's almost like I was 
I had trained for bringing on through that movie. It was very bizarre. I, um, so I had training, we had, um, half ensemble was singers and dancers and actors and half of our ensemble were actual cheerleaders. So that's why you see them doing all the tumbling and, and the stunts. And so that's, it was such a unique experience in that sense, because we got to learn from real cheerleaders. I mean, they're like the best in the United States. And we had, um, a cheer consultant. Her name was Jessica Colombo. She was from Hofstra. And so she helped choreograph everything with Andy. She did the cheering while Andy did all of the moves and the directing. So they worked hand in hand to like seamlessly develop this show where it could work for ensemble members and cheerleaders. So our ensemble men learned how to cheer. So we were all doing this stuff. Things we would do, we would have a stunt call every day before the show for 30 minutes and we'd run all the tumbling passes and we would run all of the stunts. I mean, there were a lot of shows where stunts just fell. I can tell you, I, I mean, there it happened all the time and um, we just had to act like it didn't happen. You know, every show was different. But um, that was another reason why we bonded so quickly because they were literally throwing us up in the air and catching us and... Um, I remember the first week of rehearsals, I was still for pretty fresh. I had done that movie, but we had, we were doing this thing called the hand toss where they toss you up in the air as high as they can. And you do like a toe touch. And I didn't know that I was supposed to bend my knees to absorb the shock. So I hit my knee, my legs really hard on the ground and it like fractured one of my ribs. And I, I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to be taken out of the show. <laughs> so I remember for a long time, I was in so much pain, but we had like a physical therapist that would work on us. And um, yeah, we just kind of dove in and, and did, you know, it's very similar to dancing. If you're athletic, you can you can figure out kind of how to, how to do it. I mean, I, but it's a really good question. It's kind of a miracle that we all learned how to do it. <gasps> we had a lot of help though. That's for sure. Jessica Colombo, she was like, she turned everyone into a cheerleader. So, so grateful for that. Yeah. Cheer is definitely not easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I'm dancing. I'm a little bit of a spaz. I'm a, I'm an, I did track and soccer. So for me, cheering was a bit easier than dancing because cheering, you're thinking, um, you know, like up and uh, like dancing, you want to think like down and more grounded kind of. So, um, or I guess maybe it's the opposite. I don't know. But there, in a sense, like if you're, if you have more energy in my sense, I, I feel like the cheerleading is a lot easier because you don't, it's all strong movements. It's not like beautiful lines and things like that. So I guess it just depends on the person. I know dancers had a hard time because they were like, Oh, I'm, I'm like core. I'm conditioned to be a dancer, not a core or a, not a cheerleader, you know? <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite number and bring it on and why? My favorite number and bring it on. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question too. I mean, gosh, you gotta love Killer Instinct. That was my like favorite number, selfishly. Um, but yeah, every night I would watch Cross the Line in the wings, and there was just something so emotionally driven about that number. And just everyone in that cast was just—they're putting their hearts and their bodies on the line. It was just magical to see that. I remember the very last show on Broadway that we had, everyone just came to the wings to watch that number in particular. It's just like, it's, it was so special. The words, the, 
the heart behind it. I feel like that was kind of like the heart of the show. That's so, oh my Your gosh. favorite Aww. number for Bring It On. <laughs> uh, I don't know what my, fa- mine's probably one perfect moment. Oh, that's just such a classic. And Yes, I agree. <laughs> so do you want to answer? Oh, I like all the songs. Oh. <laughs> it's hard to pick a favorite. I agree. Okay, now we're going to like kind of shift into vocal health. Yeah, so, let's do it. Um, obviously, Bring It On was a very vocally and physically demanding show. What did you do to prepare yourself for such a huge role vocally? Such, I mean, gosh, it's funny you ask that because I was, I've been thinking since I recently got a vocal injury, what was I doing? Like I was totally fine. You know, I could belt every day and I didn't do much. I didn't warm up ever. I just kind of went on stage and did my thing. But like I said that um, I, I really only had killer instinct. I sang in the, I sang in some in the other numbers, but it wasn't like Taylor or Adrian where they're singing the whole show. And, you know, like, for so I'm for that sense it wasn't too demanding on my voice but um like I've never missed a show during bring it on even if I was a little bit sick I I would just push through and do the show but I think that having the tour ahead of time kind of conditioned us for any climate any condition you know any wherever we were I just forced myself to sing. And so that, I think it is a combination of that and being young. But um, other than that, you know, it was just working a lot with Andy or Alex Lackamore and Tom Kitt. Whenever we had vocal issues, they were there to help us. And if something was a little off that day for whatever reason, maybe we could adjust it a little bit. But other than that, you just kind of have to like toughen up and and figure it out. But like anything, like a a muscle, your your voice is definitely a muscle. So the more you use it, the easier it becomes. So if there's a note that you're singing in one perfect moment that is a little bit harder to sing, if you sing it every day and you don't push, you, you know, gently um, warm it up and you practice it a lot, it'll, it becomes easier over time. So I think a lot of people get frustrated when they can't sing a certain note. So I just now encourage them warm up as much as you can. And it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's hard work. You have to really know that it takes time. So if anyone ever has doubts that they can't do something just give yourself a break and know that you know if you find a good teacher or you just warm up gently on your own that you can it's it's doable just because you can't do it the first time you try if that makes sense (laughs) that makes perfect sense I'm glad that you brought up vocal health though I mean it's one of those things where I told myself I will never have a vocal issue because my voice is made of steel (laughs) that's what I said And, um, and it's true. I used to just never have any issues. And I I really think it's from this one sickness. I don't, I don't know what happened. I may have gotten COVID, but something really weird happened. And I, and I coughed a lot and I pushed and, and singing when I was sick and it happened. So it can literally happen to anyone. And it's not because you have bad technique. 
it's just because these things happen to people sometimes. And um, it's just, nobody knows how, but you just really have to not think you're like, that, that it's never going to happen to you. Not be scared, but just know that um, it's kind of a common thing to get vocal problems. Yeah. Not to freak you guys out. <laughs> what are some of your favorite warm-ups? Oh, great question. One of my, um, so I like to warm up all parts of my voice. I consider myself like a mezzo soprano, um, but I like to warm up my chest voice and then I like to warm up my mix and then I like to warm up my head voice. Um, but first I generally use like, um, which my speech therapist taught me just a glass of half full water and, um, you use a straw and you blow through the straw and make bubbles for two minutes. Um, and that just really gets your core engaged and you can breathe properly that way. And after that, I like to do some lip trills, which is the same concept, taking the pressure out of my vocal cords. Um, and then after that, I like to, um, do like a creaky noise or like a, like a net, like a yeah, 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 that sort of thing, just to warm up the mix. And so I don't have a break in that part. And then for my head voice, I just go up and down the scale or I do pitch glides on, on a straw, which is just like going ooh through the straw and that kind of warms up everything sometimes I like to tell like some of the people that I teach just to sing a song on yeah because I notice that a lot of musical theater songs that's the difficult part even for girls and boys it's in your mix so that's kind of the key to um, the place you need to really warm up I feel like because all of us kind of have like a not all of us but for me I have a strong chest voice I have a strong head voice but it's the mix that's really like the secret spot and the part where a lot of vocal issues like can happen if you if you're screaming so just to keep that placement forward and um be gentle don't push too hard yeah mixing is like incredibly hard especially like for me I have always you have a beautiful voice, so I can't imagine that <laughs> being so hard for you. <laughs> I have a strong chest voice and a strong head voice. My mix yes. is kind of non-existent. Yes, and and I do. I've I've heard different vocal coaches talk about this. I've heard some say it takes some years to build, but then I asked my speech therapist. He's like, "You don't build that." But in my experience, I've had to build that area because I'm like you. It's like that in between that ground. I mean, once you've got it, you've got it. And I think your voice is amazing. So, (laughs) um, okay. This, you kind of talked a little bit about this earlier, but do you feel like the industry takes steps to not ask too much of the singers and protect their voices? Or does that responsibility fall on the performer? That is such a great question. Um, I think that it depends on the creative person. I think in general, most people are understanding, um, especially at the highest levels. Like if you're on Broadway and you need um, a break, most people totally are okay with that. And they're very kind about it. And, you know, it is expected. It's, it is on the performer to know, you know, that's a Broadway schedule. I perform eight times a week. I rest. And, but the times where it can get in the gray area is really when you're doing like put-ins or rehearsals 
I, on a professional level, um, like on Broadway, I went, I never had anybody take advantage of that. You know, you have your stage manager, you have your company manager, people looking out for you. Um, so, you, you, you know, it's an equity production, it's union. So when you're a union production, there's lots of rules they have to follow. So um, they don't take advantage of you in my experience. Now on an unprofessional level, I've seen a lot of actors being taken advantage of a lot. Um, whether it's just like, you know, you need to sing at the, at our, um, our put in or our sits probe so we can hear your levels, which is totally reasonable. You can, you can be asked to sing several times during tech so they can adjust your microphone so they know where you sing. But after a certain point, if you're being asked to sing full out constantly, and if it's like a, a 10 out of 12 day when you're leading up to opening night or previews, you are certainly in your own right after that to be like, I'm going to mark this. And, and this is strictly speaking on unprofessional levels that might not know the union rules. I've seen a lot more people taken advantage of. So um, it's a really good question. I think that you have to have some sort of sense of knowing your voice. And if you aren't feeling well, it's your responsibility to speak speak that kindly to a stage manager or whoever might be in charge. Um, I think that's, that's the responsibility. Good question. Great. I like that's that. <laughs> okay. We're going to transition a little bit into established magic. Oh, yay. <laughs> would you like to explain a little bit about established magic? I would love to. Makes me so happy. I just light up. <laughs> So established magic was something I created because the past like five years or so, and even back into like bringing on days, my favorite part about being a performer was collaborating and meeting other people, whether it be at the stage door or people coming to the show that would reach out to me after. I met so many amazing, especially young artists that just wanted to connect with me. And I felt such a connection after just talking to them, talking about what they're doing, what the things they love to do. And so I, I find it hard to do artistic endeavors on my own. But when I create a community of people, it's a lot easier if you want to reach a goal and do something. So that was kind of my main motivation was to bring my favorite people along with me, create something and not only showcase their talents, but eventually I want to do projects together. I want to um, have a lot of things I'm thinking about doing. I, and I wanted to put out quotes and things that I need to hear that day because there's so much negativity going on in the world. And the more that, you know, you, you really feel like you can connect to something you read, it can truly change like the trajectory of your whole day. And so I just wanted to inspire people and connect with people and feel like closer to them and weed out all the bad stuff. <laughs> so thank you for asking though. Thank you for being a part of it. I'm so grateful that you and so some other people have been so nice about it. <laughs> I, I think it's incredible what you're doing. Aww. It's I've talked to a few people who have been featured on it already and everyone's so nice and so like warming and welcoming it's truly you. and you're magic. you're such a big that's so sweet thank you but you're such a big part of that too and Damien I I don't know what your craft is but I would love to have you on there too I I mean I guess this is your craft right you guys are making a podcast it's amazing <laughs> but um yeah. 
it's so much about that. Like, I know that especially in school, some people can be judgmental and there's been like none of that. And you've helped cultivate that just niceness. So thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, we kind of answered our questions. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Look at <laughs> us go. <laughs> We've got this. You guys are great. Okay. I want to know why you guys made created this though. Like I know, um, like I'm obsessed with the name and I love this idea and how proactive you're being with, with this and the zoom, you guys are so professional and awesome. Like what was the main reason why you guys wanted to create specifically a podcast? Well, I came to Damien with the idea last month, I think, but I've been thinking about making a podcast since pretty much since Corona, like shut everything down. Yeah. I had a, this one girl, she made a podcast kind of similar to ours. And I was like, this is incredible. This sounds so much fun. Like I want to do this too. And yes. I love meeting and talking to people and it, that and it just kind of fell fun. into place. Yeah. I love that so much. And, and how do you guys know each other? I didn't even ask. Um, how did we even meet? Like kind of through Instagram. Through in yeah, through Instagram. That's amazing. See, isn't that awesome? You can just meet online and that's, I love that so much. Like we live in such a cool time. <laughs> yeah. Um, what have you learned from making established ma magic oh that's really good you guys are so good you nailed these questions it's like wow I feel like I'm on Jimmy Kimmel right now um, <laughs> what did I learn oh, just how important it is to be a nice person and how important it is to become friends with people and you might not know what someone is going through, but my gosh, I've just the messages I've received and how people are having a hard time and you would never know just by looking at them. That's, that's the biggest thing is people really want to just be loved and feel like they have people there for them. They want to be seen. They want to share what, what, what is important to them. So the most important thing is I feel like everybody just needs to try as much as they can to allow people to express how they feel and, and befriend them. Like the, you know, it seems so simple, but it's, um, it's so important. And you guys are totally doing the same thing. So when you told me about this, I'm like, hats off to you. Like you, I'm sure you'll learn a lot too, just how cool it is to, yeah. find out about people. I'm so excited to hear your other guests and, and things like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you kind of talked about this a little bit, but what was, what is your goal with established magic? Has it like changed from the beginning when you first started or is it kind of the same thing? A little bit. Um, when I first started, I kind of made this mini promise to myself. I'm like, I don't want this to be anything really more than just a really special thing to me. I don't want it to feel like I have to be like, this isn't like a business to me. This is a passion project. This is not something I'm, I'm doing to promote myself. This is something I'm doing for other people and selfishly a little bit so I can like interact with them and, and <laughs> that sort of thing. But um, I guess my goal at first was to make it just about 
other people alone. And now my goals continuing are kind of creating things that we can do um, from the people I have found, things that they can do together. But um, I'm sure it will grow and evolve over time. But right now, it's just sort of something I wanted to take it day by day, because I know me, I know that um, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm such a perfectionist. I want to make everything perfect. So I kind of wanted this to be the opposite of that. I just wanted it to be fun and creative and who knows where it will take me. I know it will take some crazy turns down the road. So just kind of, and, and that's how I suggest everyone, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just let it be what it is. And then the more you don't care about trying to make something perfect, the more it will evolve into what it's supposed to be, which is just fun and creative. So that's an answer to say uh, really a whole lot of nothing. We'll find out. (laughs) (gasps) Okay. Now we're going to get into Heather's. Yay. (laughs) Um, What were the biggest differences between doing off Broadway like Heather's and then Mm -hmm. doing a show that came to Broadway, like bring it on. Got it. Got it. I see. I see. I see. Um, A lot lot of differences um, and not a lot of differences. (laughs) So the first, bring it on. I think Broadway depends on your producers. It depends on your house size. If there's a theater available, I think the goal of any professional musical is to always take it to Broadway if possible. It depends on what's open at the time. It depends on the time that it's even, you know, might be a little bit ahead of its time. Like I think bring it on was even though we still went to Broadway like um it depends on you know what's happening in the world those sort of things but everyone's goal is to go to Broadway obviously and get as many people to see their amazing thing as possible but the biggest uh difference was the house size um I'm not sure how many seats were at new world stages but it was just a little bit of a smaller house um depends on the creative team you work with like bring it on was all theater people I mean Heather's was too. We had like Larry O'Keefe who did uh, Legally Blonde and Andy Fickman who had done like Grief or Madness and Kevin Murphy. So they had done a lot, but I think the biggest difference was Heather started in LA and that was a, a, a awesome group of people that the creative team found in LA. They were um, people I had never known before. The New York theater community is pretty small in, in, in New York. So I know most of the Broadway performers there, but in LA, these were a whole fresh group of people. And um, so that felt very different and exciting because I had never known any of them. And we um, we started at this tiny theater called the Hudson Theater. It was like a 99 seat theater in LA. And uh, I think our director joked that the walls were like made of cardboard. It was so like run down, but amazing. And um so that, it was just, it was a very different creative start because for Bring It On, it was very uh, kind of, we were still creating it, but it had its form and we were just kind of polishing it. Heather's had a form too, but it felt a lot more collaborative from the beginning of the process. It felt a lot, a lot more like... Um, just rough. It felt like the vibe of the show kind of like, it just felt, I can't explain it, but it definitely was different. But from a, from the perspective of just like money and that sort of thing, I think it comes down to like the house size and all, and all of those things, but it was still equity. It was still eventually went to New York. 
Um, Heather's unfortunately only ran for six months off Broadway, which if it were there now, I feel like it would be so successful and it would run forever. But people started coming in really later on into the run, maybe around like a few weeks before we, maybe a month before we closed. It was crazy at the stage door. And we're like, why is it closing? No one can afford tickets. This is so sad. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know if I really answered that question. There were... It's different, I think, any show you do, um, obviously, but off-Broadway and Broadway, it definitely comes down to how many people are coming to see it, how many people you can get investments from, that sort of thing. That's incredible. Okay, so talk, <laughs> speaking of the LA run, what was something from the LA run you wished made it to the off-Broadway run? Or oh my gosh. Ooh. That's a good one. I'm not sure if my part changed too much, to be honest. I think I had everything the same, but there was this song that one of our cast members, AJ, I think he, he sang it was called like Suicide, Don't Do It. And it was before my song. Um, I think it was replaced with Shine a Light. I'm not, I don't, it all blurs into one now, but he, he wore like this outrageous outfit and he was, I don't even know if he was supposed to be like a, a host of a radio show or something, but that was really funny. Um, trying to think of like Veronica's songs honestly a lot of it stayed the same I know that they've taken out blue since then which was one of my favorite numbers but I like the song that they replaced it with mm -hmm. um yeah that that's really all I can at the costumes we didn't have good hot costumes in in the LA run um but I think it generally it stayed the same everything that was important was kept so I think there's nothing too specific that I can remember. <gasps> okay. Do you want to ask the next one? Um, what was it like meeting Winona and Christian? Oh my God, you guys, that was so cool. <laughs> oh, that was maybe the most starstruck I've ever been. Like we saw, we've had bringing on so many cool people came, but to have like the stars of the show, I mean, come on. Winona Ryder was so beautiful in person. She's flawless. Like she's tiny. Her skin is perfect. She could not have been nicer. And then when Christian came, I'm just like, holy cow, this is really cool. <gasps> He's just like so... JD <laughs> I mean not like he's a serial killer but it was so crazy I don't even it felt very surreal that whole thing like and then they're like pose like you hate him so then we're like oh I'm like, okay but I'm like also really nervous around you so um it was really cool he's so handsome too for like an older man too I'm like wow these people are gorgeous. <laughs> I think you don't realize like how like when I when I did Greece I was looking at like them in person I'm like you see them on tv and stuff and I'm like fangirling out because I'm like wow in person you're just like beautiful <laughs> so talented mm -hmm. so I'm like a big fangirl so I'm probably really awkward and weird around people so sorry if you ever listen to this <laughs> <laughs> um okay what was your first impressions of like meeting the Heathers cast oh my god I love them so much um I, we had a different Heather Chandler in LA. Her name was Sarah Halford. She is one of the greatest people I know. She's just so talented and so nice. So like, then we had Kristen Lynn Lloyd, who's awesome, who was in Dear Evan Hansen. She was our original Heather Duke. So we had, I was the only Heather that stayed the same. So we had a different uh, group of 
people in that sense. We had, um, we saw Barrett and Ryan and I was just like, what is wrong with these people? Like who, what water are you drinking? You're so talented. It's messed up. I'm like, this is not fair <laughs> so that for the first time. I'm like, holy crap, this show is going to be good. I'm just like sitting there in the sidelines, watching everyone the whole time, just watching Barrett having to like cry and throw things and be, she's like a, a mess at the end of the show. And I'm like, how did you do this every day? It was crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, I was just like, I, I, this is not happening. This everyone's so amazing. And then when I went to New York and I met Jessica and I met Alice, I'm like, Oh my God, you guys are amazing. I love you. We all just became so close in that sense. Like, um, in Heather's the whole ensemble shared a dressing room. So all of the girls, um, every principal, every, every ensemble member, every swing. So that was just a blast. Like we all became a family and it was just this tiny room. We all be like getting our makeup on together and one time, oh my gosh, all of the ensemble guys covered the entire ensemble girls room with sticky notes. There were like a million sticky notes, the <laughs> entire head to toe, the whole dressing room. I have pictures. We came in. It was the funniest prank ever, but it was, oh my gosh, it was like a million. It must have taken them like five hours. <laughs> you probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're amazing. I love like Evan and, and John who were um, Kurt and Ram, like they're just hilarious. Everyone just became such a family, like we always do, like you guys do in shows. You know what it's like. It sounded so fun. I wish that I would have known of Heather's when it was like going on, but it uh, just like hearing stories about it just gets me so happy and excited. Oh, I know. Isn't that so? I mean, I know they did the West End production, but. I'm sure they'll have more people have the opportunity to see the show, even like local community theaters. Like people just love this show so much. It's so special to so many people. So that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, she was my favorite, Heather, even in the movie. Really? Yeah. Even in the movie. Wow. I, I don't even think I've heard that. Yeah. It's probably weird, but I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, like, yeah, Lee San, we, who plays her in the movie, came yeah. to. Have, she's she's yeah, so beautiful her. too. That's awesome oh that you God. love her. So yeah. Um, so, what was your favorite part about playing her? Um, I guess um, my favorite part was just she has so much depth to her. Obviously, I had so much satisfaction on the contrary doing Ava every night and bringing on because I was the villain. And I got to just be crazy and, and have that turn of being so nice and then being so insane. I just felt like so hyped by the end of each show. But this one, um, I was not the villain in, in Heather's. So I was in a sense, but I got to win people over. So I was used to people losing me and hating me by the end of every show. And this time I made it kind of like my job to win everyone over to make sure people knew how I felt. And so that, that moment before lifeboat, like um, I just really got to take in that moment and just whatever I was feeling, just use that that night. Cause I obviously suffer from major anxiety, depression, and I've never really gotten to play any roles that have that. So being able to really show like a depth of someone that is supposed to be popular in high school and get to really, cause it would be easy to be the mean girl, but to have the chance to be vulnerable and so 
so real was such a beautiful opportunity. So I wanted to, I loved that so much. And then I got to have fun, like I, the jelly beans and those things. And I got to be sassy in the beginning. So I love that. I get to play like, so like a whole range of emotions, but then really focused on the end on like what was important. So that was really cool. I love Heather Max. You you did so you were perfect for oh, that role. Like thank you. Perfect. Thank you Life so quotes, much. one of my favorite songs anyway. So Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh, that's it makes me cry. Oh, it does. <laughs> I know when I first heard that song, um, I first heard that song through the reading that they did and uh uh Corey English was her name who had sang it at the reading. She is just, her voice is so beautiful. And I heard that song, I'm like, wow, this song is stunning. Like, it's amazing. So I, I totally get how you felt about that. And I'm glad, I'm glad that they wrote that. So good. <laughs> okay, I have a kind of a little fun question. Do you think that um, Heather's could possibly be revived into going into Broadway? A hundred percent. Would you be interested in playing the role? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question too. Um, yeah, I, I mean, of course, of course I would. And I know that they want to do that. That's that's always their goal. They've wanted to do that from the beginning. And I think that it would thrive. I, yes, I would be honored to play that role. I mean, I I did it so, so much. I, I know that, I know that girl, like she's a part of me. So I, I would love to, who knows? Um, what, how, when they'll do it, how old I'll be and all that sort of thing. I definitely want them to do it, um, you know, be true to the story in that sense and, and all that. But I mean, I, I, I would love to, yes. I mean, I'd play, I'd play that role till I was like 85, let's be honest. <laughs> well, this is the end. That's all of the I mean, no, not yay. <laughs> you guys, this is so fun. Thank you for having me as your guest. I've been looking forward to this. And thank you for letting us do this. Oh my God, Are I, you kidding I, me? I was so excited when I found out. Me too. I was like, she said yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Anything you guys need. And I would love to feature this on my page just so I can, you know, share wh what you're doing too for for more people to see and you guys should be so proud of yourself this is not easy to come up with things and trust your gut and be creative like you really got something special here and your cute logo I'm obsessed I'm your number one fan so thank you so all much Damien. logo is all awesome. really yeah oh my god you're awesome at graphic design yes you guys are a great team I'm so excited I know this will be awesome Sorry if I sound like a creep on your first one regarding all of <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, Christian Slater, let me find you. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. It means the world to me. And oh, oh it's, this is incredible. Thank you guys so much for listening to our first episode of our podcast. And thank you so much, Ellie Macklemore, for letting us interview you. It has been so much fun. And stay tuned for our next announcement of our next guest.